0: Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Will, welcome home. We're glad you're back from Pensacola, Florida, Pensacola Christian College. I graduated their their graduate school there a hundred years ago, it seems like. Tonight we're going to talk about knowing your enemies. At this church, we preach the whole counsel of the Word of God. I try to balance, you know, I talked about a meal. You know, a good meal is going to be balanced. You know, a good meal is going to have the starch, the vegetables, the protein, you know, the things you need. You, you, you need a well-balanced meal to, to be physically healthy. And, and so it is spiritually. You need a well-balanced meal. And, you know, a lot of these uh, prosperity preachers today, uh, the good news preachers, you know, that's all they give. And a lot of what they give is all well and good, but it's not balanced. You know, And that's one of the reasons why it's good to preach through books of the Bible, because you, you can't hit what you only want to hit or you desire to hit or what you think the people want to hear. When you preach through a book of the Bible, as I've been doing for years on Wednesday night, you've got to take the good with the bad, the pretty with, with the ugly. But the benefit of that is you become spiritually healthy. I mean, a constant diet of cotton candy... You're not, going to be, you're not going to be healthy and robust as you should be. No, you need a well-balanced meal. And I believe that, that people that don't get enough of the Word of God or they only get one dimension of the Word of God, and there's a place, look, there's a place for positivity. There's a place for a pat on the back. There's a place for a, an attaboy. That, that's very important. But you're going to see when you preach through a book of the Bible like Joshua, man, there's a whole lot of warning there. There's a whole lot of, hey, take heed, take note. I mean, and if I'm going to preach the Bible, then that's what you're going to get because the Lord knows that's what you need. Now, we're talking tonight, what we're going to focus on tonight in chapter 11 is knowing your enemies. Don't we all know, let's let's just leave it to Christians. Don't we all know Christians that have had unnecessarily difficult and tragic lives. I mean, these are people that should be doing better, should have done better, but theirs is a legacy of one mistake after another, one bad decision after another, and their testimony is, is ruined. Maybe they're out of church now. They could even be bitter towards God. They don't want anything to do with church. I mean, this is a child of God we're talking about. Somebody that's truly saved. Now, one of the reasons they could be like that is because they didn't know the enemy. They didn't know the enemy. And so, somebody that doesn't know the enemy might be the kind of person that just goes through life nonchalantly, thinks, I can toy with this, I can play with this, and they don't know the danger. They don't know the risk But those people who take the time, as you have done, to be in church and to learn, you are going to be aware of, no, that's dangerous. That's an enemy. That is trying to defeat me. That's trying to destroy me. That is trying to ruin my testimony and ruin my life. Now, a person that is aware that there is an enemy and is aware of how the enemy works, is going to be in a better position to defeat the enemy, avoid the enemy, conquer the enemy, than is the person, well, you being here tonight, you're going to be in much better position tomorrow to live a life of victory than, sadly, those who choose, not those who aren't able, but those who choose not to be in church. They, it, it just makes common sense. They're going to be more vulnerable. I mean, time spent in God's Word is valuable. I mean, we're not just doing this just to be doing it. I mean, all of us could have other things to do on on a Wednesday night. This is time well spent. And, you know, we live in a dangerous world, and we see people falling all around us. You know, young young people that are raised in in church and then get out into the real world, and they're just eaten alive. They need to be aware of that. Wait a minute. No, this is not a playground. We're not in heaven yet. I mean, we're going to be in heaven someday. We're not there yet. This is a sin-cursed world. And we as Christians live in this world until we're taken to heaven. And we need to know that there are enemies. Look at this quote. As in all warfare, the two essential elements in victory are knowing your enemy and knowing your resources. Tonight, we're going to be talking about our enemy. In Joshua chapter 11, I'm going to point out to you three important principles that we're going to learn about our enemy tonight. And knowing and learning these three principles is going to help you to be aware of the enemy, conscious of the enemy, and thereby in a better position to either avoid the enemy or to defeat the enemy. Now, we learned that in Joshua chapter 11 tonight. And we started off this entire series by talking about the fact that Joshua is a great book. It's stories. There's not, you know, Romans. We've said Paul in the first what is it, twelve chapters, and it's deep theology. He is laying out theology. Joshua's stories, narratives, if you will. This happened, that happened. You know, we're we're following the story. But there, you know, does God just want to entertain us with stories? No, these are stories with a purpose. And these are stories with great symbolism. For example, in the book of Joshua, uh, most theologians will agree that Joshua is, a, is symbolic of Jesus, kind of a picture of Jesus, and that, that, that Israel is, is, is God's children. And Israel crossing the River Jordan is not a picture of somebody dying and going to heaven, but crossing the River Jordan is a picture of of us getting saved. Because when you cross the River Jordan, if you were in heaven, it would be heaven. They've crossed the River Jordan, and the battles have begun. One battle after another after another. So it really is a great picture of what it means to be saved. You're following Jesus, you get saved, you cross the River Jordan, and now battles begin. Naive Christians, Christians that don't hear that, they're going to be susceptible to, to Satan and his devices. Those that attend and have the character and the wherewithal and the spiritual maturity to be in, the, in, in God's church on a Wednesday Look, you, you can't get any more valuable teaching anywhere than in God's house on a Wednesday night. I mean, there's nothing on TV that's going to even come close, even with the best of programming. To opening your Bible and being in God's house to prepare you for that wicked world that's out to get you and your spouse and your kids tomorrow. The armies of hell are lined up waiting to attack each and every one of us. and They won't wait till tomorrow either. Now, Israel's battles in in, Canaan is a picture of the battles we face after salvation. So we learn from this. Now remember, Israel has crossed the Jordan River and the battles began. They've had victory at Jericho. They had a setback at Ai. And then they learned their lesson and they went back and they had victory at Ai. They made that pact with Gibeon, remember? They came in and said, look, we've traveled from a long way. We're not one of your neighbors that you're supposed to attack. We come from a long way away and we want to make a deal with you. They made the deal. Joshua, Israel, honored the deal. And then last week or last time, they defeated the five kings in southern Canaan. Now, tonight... They're coming to a more formidable foe, the enemies of the northern kingdom. And if you look at this every step of the way, the battles grow bigger. Is that how Christian life works? You know, you have a, a victory and you grow, and here comes a bigger battle. You know, and then you know, then you grow, and here comes a bigger battle. And we see that demonstrated here in the book of Joshua. And that's very important for us to understand. You know, Osteen down in Houston, I mean, he's not going to preach any of this stuff. It's just going to be, you know, it's all good. It's all, you know, and listen, we need that. But look at what the Bible's going to share with us tonight. Okay, I'm just pointing you to the Bible. And And the Bible... Read, and we're in Joshua 1, or excuse me, Joshua 11, verse number 1. Here's, here's the story God has for us tonight. And it's not a pat on our back, it's not an attaboy tonight. It's a warning. Here's what Joshua faces. And it came to pass when Jabin, king of Hazor, had heard those things, when he had heard what had happened to the kings in the southern kingdom, when he had heard what happened to Jericho, when he heard what happened at Ai. That he sent to Joab, or Jobab, king of Madon, and to the king of Shimron, and to the king of Ashab, and to the kings that were on the north of the mountains, and on the plain south of Chinoroth, and in the valley, and in the borders of Dor on the west, and to the Canaanite on the east, and on the west, and to the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Jebusite, and the mountains, and to the Hivite under Hermon, and the land of Metzba. Okay, they've heard what's happened to the guys around them, the southern kingdom. I mean, they were annihilated. Now, you would think that these guys would go to Joshua and say, hey, we need to talk. You know, we, we hear that, you know, we, we, we need to talk. No, it, it shows the hardness of man that they're not going to bend. They, they know that those walls at Jericho came down. They know that Ahai, there was a brief setback, but there was ultimate victory. They know what happened to the five kings of the southern kingdom. They were annihilated. You would think somebody would say, we need to know, go make peace with these guys. We need to know who their God is because he is showing himself. But they don't. It shows you how hard-hearted that sinners can be and how rebellious rebellion can be. And again, these are going to get destroyed too. Not because, as we've said in the past, because they were in the way. But because they were unrepentant, they were rebellious against God, they brought it on themselves. We read on in verse number 4. And they went out, they and all their hosts with them, much people, even as the sand that is upon the seashore in multitude, with the horses and chariots, very many. See, Joshua's battles are just growing bigger and bigger and bigger. Verse number 5, and when all these kings were met together, they came and pitched together at the waters of Merim to fight against Israel. They're not coming to surrender to Israel and their God. They're not coming to hear more about Israel and their God. No, they're coming to fight against Israel and their God. We need to understand that tonight. Very important because we will not be facing literal kings this evening, tomorrow, but we'll be facing enemies that are ever bit as real and ever bit as powerful, if not more powerful. They'll be coming against you. They'll be coming against your children. They'll be coming against your spouse. Why is this important? Corey Ten Boom, the first step on the way to victory is to recognize the enemy. Now, let me chase a rabbit, but a rabbit that relates to what we're talking about. But pastor, aren't we supposed to love our enemies? Aren't we supposed to love our enemies? There are enemies that we are to love. And they usually come in the form of people. People that don't like you, people that have it against you, uh, lost people that make fun of you and your faith and your God at work, or lost family members that do that. You, you are to love them. We are to love our personal enemies. There are times we are to turn the cheek to those enemies. There are times we give them our coat. There, there, there are things that we do. But think about this for a second. There are some enemies. With those enemies that I just spoke, you, you, you hope to win them over. You hope to win them to the Lord. You hope to show them grace. You hope to show them kindness. You hope that they will see something in you that you can win their heart to Christ. And so, yes, you love your enemies. However, there's some enemies, very real enemies, that you'll never win over. It's impossible. They must be defeated. They can only be defeated. You can't make friends with them, you can't make a pact with them. We're talking about the three great enemies of all of us the flesh. Our flesh is our enemy. Our flesh is not our friend. It's my flesh that is tempted to do the wrong things. The world, the lost world, the culture of the lost world, the lost society around us is my enemy. You're you're never going to win your flesh to the Lord. You're never going to win the world by, I'm talking about, you know, the, what, what the Bible talks about as the world. Are you individuals in the world, yes. But the world's system of lostness and darkness, you're not going to win that. And then there's Satan. Satan himself. We know, we've read the end of the book. He, he's never going to be won. He's going to be condemned for all eternity. Going to be. So again, are we supposed to love our enemies? those that you can love, those that you hope to win over. But we're not talking about those enemies tonight. We're not talking about the guy or gal at work that's giving you grief. We're talking about enemies that are out to destroy you, enemies that you will never win over, enemies that you cannot compromise with. Those are the enemies that we're focusing on this evening. Alistair Begg said this, The Christian will be sure to make enemies. It will be one of his objects to make none. But if doing what is right and believing what is true should cause him to lose every earthly friend, he will regard it as a small loss, since his great friend in heaven will be even more friendly and will reveal himself to him more graciously than ever. The Christian will be sure to make enemies. And if we go through this world like a lot of mamsy-pamsy, shallow Christians do today, we're oh, just going to love everybody, we're just going to get along with everybody. Well, yeah, we're going to love everybody, and we're going to try to get along with everybody. But it is just the height of foolishness to not be aware that you've got an enemy. And your children have an enemy, or enemies, plural. Our spouses, our loved ones, our friends have enemies. And we can learn about those tonight in these first few verses of Joshua chapter 11. What do we learn about enemies from this story, from this narrative? What, what can a reasonable Christian look at this and, and take away? It's not stated, but it's implied by, by the story. Three things that we need to be aware of. Number one, the enemies of Christians are plenty. There are plenty of enemies out there. We don't need to read verses 1 through 3 again, but it, it just lists all of them. You know, this king and this king from this area and this area. I mean, these are all arrayed against Joshua and Israel. Joshua and Israel has plenty of enemies that is wanting to not know about their God, but wanting to destroy them. Now, think about you and I. Today, three or 4,000 years after Joshua, we too have enemies. It's not kings, not with chariots, but we have enemies. We've already mentioned them. The flesh. We have lots of enemies, the flesh. And the flesh reveals itself in so many various ways. Pride, envy, anger, and on and on you can go. All of those are our enemies. All the things that our flesh can conjure up and imagine, it's all our enemies, whether it's envy or jealousy or anger or pride or lust or whatever it might be. That's all part of our flesh. And then the world. And then the world breaks down into so many sub-enemies. The entertainment world today is viciously enemies of Christians, enemies of you. Academic world today, the secular ac- academic world, the schools where God is not welcome, uh, the universities where God not only is not welcome, but he's laughed at and he's made fun of. Now, there's a few exceptions. there. But thank God for the Christian teachers, but, I mean, just a small minority. And, and you think about the, the elites of the world you know, that, that are uh, in their own minds so sophisticated and they know better than anybody else and they want to run the country and tell everybody how to live and they are as godly as they can be. Those are your enemies. They, they would love to see Christ crushed in your life. They would love to see you renounce Christ. They, they would love to see you throw in the towel, either with your words or just do it with your actions. Drop out of church. Quit witnessing, quit reading your Bible, quit praying. Then you've got Satan. And subdivide all of his devices, his lies, his deceit, fear that he promotes in, or tries to promote in our lives and in our hearts. Joshua's enemies were plenty. Our enemies are plenty. Plenty. And you need to know that. If you don't know that, if you're not aware of that, as you go to live your life tomorrow, you're in peril. It's like a young fawn, you know, being unaware of the dangers of going out into the open and fall. Bucks have learned their lesson, the older ones... They're not going to go to the bait pile, but the young ones will. So, you know, it's important that you learn and you you understand you have these enemies. Charles Spurgeon said this, The good man has his enemies. He would not be like his Lord if he had not. If he were without enemies, we might fear that he were not the friends of God. For the friendship of the world is enmity to God. Talking about the world. Being at enmity with God. Being an enemy of God. We need to understand that. We would be foolish to go out and just open ourselves up to the academics and listen to all their arguments as to why the world is millions and billions of years old. We would be foolish not to understand that there's enemies of the Word of God. We would be foolish to be entertained by uh, Hollywood that would have us laughing at things that nailed Jesus to the cross. We need to be aware that we have plenty of enemies. Number two, we learn from this story, the enemies of Christians are powerful. makes them dangerous. Verse number four, and they went out, talking about these enemies and all their hosts with them, much people, even as the sand that is upon the seashore. In other words, the forces that Joshua and Israel have defeated already, Those enemies don't compare to this enemy. This enemy is numbered like sand. With horses and chariots, very many. So Joshua and Israel, in facing this powerful, huge army, these horses and and these chariots, it's a reminder that we face not only plenty of enemies, but we face powerful enemies. Enemies. Think about it. The flesh is powerful. Our flesh has a great appetite. That appetite can get so strong, it'll lead you into activities and actions that you would pay dearly for. But that's how strong our fleshly appetites can be. You know that it's wrong. You know that it's bad. But that appetite is so strong, so powerful, that you'll yield to it. As Joshua faced horses and chariots, we face powerful appetites. The flesh is powerful. The world is powerful. Think about the influence of the world. Whatever some movie starlet wears, all the girls have got to wear it. Whatever some movie star does or however he acts, all the guys have got to, to act that way and do it. The world is powerful in its influence and the devil is powerful with his deception. He can paint the most ugly scenarios beautifully where you don't realize what you're getting into. I like this quote from Wiersbe. He, Satan, has great power and intelligence and a host of demons who assist him in his attacks against God's people. He is a formidable enemy. We must never joke about him, ignore him, or underestimate his ability. Folks, we all have bullseye targets on our backs, spiritually speaking. Satan's been after this preacher for years. After my wife, still after us, been after my kids, still after them. Now he's got bullseye on my my grandchildren, the people in this congregation that I love. He's got bullseye on you, and it grieves this pastor to no end. Every time I see one in our congregation go down or a family go down as victims, it's a very tragic thing. This war is real. So we learn that the enemies of Christians are plenty. The enemies of Christians are powerful. And number three, the enemies of Christians are persistent. They don't get weary. They don't give up. Verse number five, And when all these kings were met together, they came and pitched together at the waters of Merim to fight against Israel. Wait a minute. Don't they know what happened at Jericho? Can they explain that? No. Do they know what happened? Yeah. Do they know what happened at Ai? Yeah. Do they know what happened with the five kings? Yeah. But they're persistent. They come after Israel. They come after Joshua. Israel's enemies did not hesitate to attack. What do we learn? We learn that... Our personal enemies are persistent. Those of you that have been saved any length of time, you know that the devil was after you to try to defeat you 30 years ago, 40 years ago, and he's still trying to do it today. He's persistent, isn't he? I can testify that he's been after me as long as I can remember. Our enemies are always persistent, always on the offensive our flesh, think about it, is always attacking. Usually from within, with our desires. That's the way our flesh it attacks from within. The world typically attacks from without. You know, our our, our fears. Well, I don't want to be odd. I don't wanna, I don't want to dress different. I don't want to not go there. They'll think I'm a nerd. They'll think I'm I'm weird. The world is attacking from without, and the devil does it from both. He attacks from within and without. Usually using our our pride. As, as one of his main weapons there. I like this quote, many who come to Christ are victims of the mistaken notion that salvation marks the end of serious temptation. That's a joke. The fact is that conversion really only marks the beginning of a great spiritual conflict. A great spiritual conflict. So what do we learn from Joshua chapter 11? It teaches the enemies of Christians are plenty. The enemies of Christians are powerful. The enemies of Christians are persistent. Okay, are you fully discouraged now? Are you ready to give up and throw in the towel? And think, it would have been easier just to be lost. No, no, no. That's why after verse number 5, that's where we stopped, when Those kings were ready to go to war with Israel. You don't stop there. That that is a realistic picture of what Israel faced. That's a realistic picture of what you and I are going to face. So, what did God tell Joshua? Looking at those circumstances, knowing what was revealed about the enemy there. This will encourage you. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Be not afraid. I'm telling you, you're going out tomorrow to try to live your Christian life, and some people are going to give you grief, and the enemies are plenty, the enemies are powerful, the the enemies are, are, are always on the offensive, they're persistent. God has a word for you. Be not afraid. Because of them. For tomorrow, about this time, will I deliver them up all slain before Israel, that thou shalt hold their horses, that's cutting the tendons behind the leg, and burn their chariots with fire. So Joshua came, and all the people of war with him, against them by the waters of Merim, suddenly, and they fell upon them, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel, who smote them and chased them unto great Zidon, and to the Messer of whatever that word is again and unto the valley of Metzba eastward, and they smote them until they left them none remaining. I can picture in a movie the men of Israel standing there, and out before them, they're outnumbered enormously. Sands. You, You can't number the enemy by the sand. And I can see those men standing there with resolve, brave, and courageous. And ready to stand up against the enemy. And God was with them. And God blessed them. These good men. These men. Who are following their leader Joshua. And we as we follow our leader Jesus today. Tomorrow you may. You will go out into a world that is. People numbered like the sand. Who. Who. Are being used, used to affect you as your flesh, the world, Satan. We understand the enemy is plenty, powerful, and persistent. But the lesson tonight is: go out of these doors unafraid. God addresses the number one issue with these people, and in verse number uh, chapter eleven, verse number six, and the Lord said to Joshua, "Be not afraid." Because of them. Truth of the matter is, if we're not careful, we will fear failure. You know, what if, what if I do succumb? What if I give in? We fear change. What's it going to be like if, you know, if, 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 I, if I don't give in, it's going to be hard. We fear criticism from the old crowd. I like what Charles Spurgeon says, and this is good to Remember. He says, fear to fear. Be afraid to be afraid tomorrow, tonight as you walk out those doors. Yeah, the enemy's out there. He's they're waiting for us. Your worst enemy is within your own bosom. Get to your knees and cry for help and then rise up saying, I will trust and not be afraid. It's smart to know your enemy. It would not be smart to fear your enemy. It's smart to know your enemy because you'll be more cautious, you'll be more careful. But it is not smart or wise to fear your enemy. As you go out into a hostile school, you go out into a hostile workplace, you go out into a hostile community. I I was over in Traverse City for a doctor's appointment on Monday, and I, I went by Myers. you know, Country people, you live in Mayo, you can't go anywhere without stopping at Myers or Walmart, right? I mean, if you're near one, you got to stop. It's unwritten law of living up north here. And I was watching the people over in Traverse City going out, and they just looked sad. They looked hard. You know, because you can lots of times, and this doesn't work 100% of the time. There, There are Christians that can look sad. There's Christians that can look hard. And there's sometimes, I suppose, unsaved people that can look happy or whatever, but you can usually sense when you're around Christian people. Even when you run across somebody, have you ever experienced that? You just meet somebody and just kind of talking to them and you you just, there's a connection there. This is a brother or sister in Christ. We're related by blood, by Christ's blood, you know, but I'm, I'm watching those people. I didn't have that sense yesterday and I'm thinking how many millions of people in our nation they're, they're the cocktail-sipping crowd. They're the beer-drinking crowd. There's the, 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 the loose-living women crowd. There's the men-just-chasing women crowd. And people are angry, and their, their language is vulgar and viral. Yeah, not viral. Vulgar and vile. <laughs> not viral. And we're, our numbers are growing smaller. Now, I can change, I can reverse, but listen, Israel's numbers were small, but they were victorious. And the Lord said, verse number six, said unto Joshua, Be not afraid because of them, for tomorrow, about this time, will I deliver them. Tomorrow, your enemies can be defeated, your flesh can be defeated. The world does not have to get victory over you tomorrow. The world can be defeated. Satan, with his lies, his deceit, his deception, does not have to get victory over you or your children tomorrow. They can be defeated. The formula, according to Scripture, of defeating the enemy is simple, according to the passage we've looked at. Don't fear. Stand up there with your sword, with your spear. Stand tall, stand strong, stand brave, stand shoulder to shoulder you do your part. Tomorrow, you do your part. As we see in this story, God will do his part. And tomorrow, there can be victory over the flesh, the world, and Satan. That victory can be yours tomorrow, today, tonight. As it was so for Joshua and those brave men that stood with him, that faced that enemy. As it was true of them, it can be true of you and I tomorrow. We can have some great victories tomorrow. We're never going to compromise with our flesh. We're never going to make peace with our flesh. We're never going to win our flesh over. We're never going to compromise with the world. We're, we're never going to compromise, win Satan over to our side. Yeah, we show our enemies love. We try to win our enemies. When they can be won, but those that cannot be won must be defeated. Must be soundly defeated. And you read the rest of that chapter, and that's exactly what Israel did to that enemy. They defeated them. Tomorrow, with God's help, you looking to him for help, you can have victory over your flesh. You can have victory over the world. You can have victory over Satan. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mayo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.